<laughs> all right. It's a good one. Let's let's start this. Um, I would like to say first of all, welcome to our guest, Mr. Plamondon. Um, Thank you. I would also like to welcome Samuel Lavoy. Um, my name is Sergei Alman. I'm the president uh, of uh, CIRUS, the Center for International Relations and International Security. We are recording this podcast, um, especially for our uh, user base, basically, who are international relations professionals, but also those that are interested, basically, in the field of international relations and anything politics related. And we have a whole variety of different guests, and you are one of them. Um, and for those that probably don't realize this, uh, yes, we are an American organization, but we do go across the border, so we do check other countries, other political systems. And today we are in Canada, more specifically, Quebec. Um, so I would like to ask you, Mr. Plamadon, if you could introduce yourself and introduce your, your party that you're working for. So I'm the leader of the Parti Québécois. The Parti Québécois for several decades has been one of the major parties in Quebec and has been uh, working on its uh, main project that is that Quebec uh, would become a country and um, it's uh, otherwise a party that has uh, had a lot of impact on Quebec, on the history of Quebec and uh, it's still a very active, a very proactive uh, party in terms of uh, the current debates of the place Quebec has in the, in the world. Okay and at this moment um, from what I understood, your political party has been active since the early 1960s. Uh, late. Late 60s. Mm -hmm. So the, the movement um, has emerged with the 60s after what we call in Quebec the Quiet Revolution. So under Duplessis, a, a rule that was in the 40s and the 50s, Mm -hmm. uh, Quebec had a nationalist government, uh, but I didn't dare uh, raising the possibility that we would be better off politically, financially, and uh, linguistically or culturally speaking with our own country. What happened in the 60s is that uh, Quebec really took uh, a lot of space uh, and took undertook uh, many um, many important social projects that transformed our society. And then the idea became more obvious that our interests would be better served through a party. And then we, we saw many movement, many political parties putting forward that project. And Parti Québécois is a blend, um, late 60s, beginning of the 70s, uh, a blend of uh, all those movements that agreed that making a country called Quebec is a priority, and that um, and it's been a, a challenge for um, for Parti Québécois through its history, because you will find conservatives, uh, people that are more right wing, that agree with the project of being a country, mm -hmm. but you'll also find people at, at the very left who think it's a good idea. So uh, one challenge through uh, the history of the Parti Québécois has been to gather all these people. In general, it's recognized as a social democrat party, uh, but it's not always been the case. And there's always been a dialogue. Um, a lot of um, <clears throat> very uh, 
intense conversations between conservatives and the liberals, as uh, you call it in the United States, mm -hmm. but between the, the right wing and the left wing. It's always been a moderate right wing and a moderate left, left wing. So there are parties in Quebec that are more in the extreme left or in the extreme right. That's never been the case for the Parti Québécois in its history. But um, it, it is uh, the, the core, the reason for all these people uh, being at the same, uh, under the same, uh, under, under the same uh, logo is uh, the fundamental mission that has been part of our history uh, since the conquest. So the, the conversation about what do we do as a French-speaking nation with its own culture, if we are under British rule, that conversation exists for uh, hundreds of years, and it's it's always been uh, coming back in the public space, and it's uh, the role of the Parti Québécois to uh, give a voice to uh, that conversation, give space to that conversation. Mm -hmm. Mr. Plamondon, I would like to know why do you support Quebec independence in general and why you believe it's still relevant in 2021? Well, I think it's more relevant in 2021 than it used to be uh, because the way Canada works is um, it is supposed to work as uh, two founding nations that had a deal about how to split powers and you have the same thing in the United States. So. You have a federal government, it is supposed to go through certain powers, but to leave the states with certain powers. Um, it's very important for Quebec that those that split be respected because, of course, um, being a minority, a small minority of Francophones in North America, around 2% of North America's population is French speaking, you need your own powers to be respected so that you can ensure that that very unique Microsoft microcosm, that form of diversity from a linguistic and cultural standpoint, be protected, be sustainable. Unfortunately, through time, what we see is that Canada has a model uh, that has changed and has emerged into multiculturalism and post-national um, ideology. Under that new way of, of seeing things, there are several communities, and all communities uh, based on their ethnic identity or religious identity are equivalent and they're all expected to blend into an English-speaking society where they're basically coexisting. They have a strong national identity that is derived from a nation that exists, exists elsewhere in the world and Quebec uh, in that context is just another community uh, mm -hmm. but a minority community uh, that really has uh, challenges with um, convincing all these other communities to use French as a daily, as a common language. So it raises really tensions that are more important now than they used to be because Canada does not respect the competencies, the powers that Quebec should have. And even if Quebec tries to um, uh, make laws that uh, reflect its own views on how our culture could be sustainable, it comes within Canada with a lot of accusations of racism, xenophobia, and there's a large deal of colonialism that is in play. Basically, Canada has been ruling French Canadians for uh, centuries, and it goes, it comes with a large chunk of contempt. 
Mm-hmm. So it's it, it's it's a power struggle. It's a linguistic struggle in terms of sustainability, but it's also a story of colonialism that becomes more and more obvious as the proportion of Quebecers, French-speaking uh, citizens in Canada, grow uh, shrinks. The less uh, French Canadians in Canada, the more federal parties don't really care. They don't need to win Quebec. They don't need to speak to Quebecers in order to obtain power in Ottawa. So it becomes more and more obvious. Another topic that makes it very actual is the fact that no matter if you have the liberals or the conservatives at the federal level, they are sold to a petroleum-based economy. Uh, the amounts of subsidies and of lobbyism uh, for, uh, for, for that sector is huge. And in Quebec, there's a strong, um, consensus that we should be a green, we have the potential, of course, to be a green country because we have a lot of hydroelectricity, but all sorts of technologies that are more geared towards the new economy. But we're stuck having our own monies spent by Ottawa to support maybe one of the worst industries in terms of climate change in the world. So we don't want to be part of that financially, but we don't want to be part of that in terms of priorities, political priorities. So all of those dynamics make Quebec independence uh, very relevant. And what we see for the past year, the amount of space in the media where people write about what should we do now, uh, based uh, on uh, many uh, difficult uh, relations with Can- our current government and uh, Quebec's government and uh, Canada, a lot of people have been starting again to write about what should Quebec do now? Because there doesn't seem to be a sustainable place for Quebec within Canada, at least not if we aim at being sustainable from a linguistic and cultural uh, point of view. Mm -hmm. And if we look back at the uh, history of the Quebec independence movement, one of the crucial, if not the biggest crucial moment was the 1995 referendum on independence. And um, the supporters for independence, uh, or I I should say Quebecers voted 49.4% in favor of independence. So it was very, very tight, um, but still it was a a defeat. And I was wondering because um, ever since the the defeat of the 1995 referendum, there has been many changes in terms of demography. So the, the, the youth, young Quebecers, who were in majority in favor of Quebec independence in the 80s, the 90s, uh, now form the the group um, of society that is the least in favor of Quebec independence. And the same goes for, I I should say, uh, ethnic minorities. Although they have never really been supportive of Quebec independence, they are a growing um, demographic group. And I was uh, wondering, why do you think that these two demographic groups are um, at odds with the independence movement? And how do you think this could change? It's very important to understand what was Canada's strategy after 95. So there was never any intention to negotiate again or try to find a deal, strike a deal with Quebec. The strategy, and it's vastly documented, very well documented, The strategy was to intimidate sovereignists and make them marginal and to implement by all means the multicultural model I was talking about earlier, where people gather not based on a national citizenship identity, but based on ethnic or religious identities, 
in a model that is very, very oriented towards immigration. I think uh, our level of immigration in Quebec is much higher than in the United States, for, for instance, or France. And so for the youth, um, there's been a lot of defamation against uh, the national movement within the multicultural, uh, now it's called woke, but it's the same ideology. It's basically to say, if you aim at a national citizenship where no matter what your differences, you're all Quebecers, everybody's a Quebecer and is a citizen, a, a, an equal citizen, that vision has been deemed to be intolerant and um, something from the past that we need to get rid of. Um, now it can change very quickly because the sovereignist response to that strategy in 96, I think we can say was very weak. Uh, they, the, the sovereignist movement was, I think, heartbroken by the defeat and was also um, a bit uh, destabilized with that strategy of not showing any good faith and just m to marginalize and to make lose credibility uh, to, to the movement for independence. I think what Scotland is doing, what we see elsewhere, is is a cue of, of how it can change quickly if a movement around the yes takes place. So for the youth of Quebec, I think it doesn't take much because it's a project about the future. It's a project about taking in our, our space in the international community, making choices that are, that are much more responsible from an environment standpoint, environmental standpoint doesn't take much to change those uh, uh, figures, especially that the figures in the youth, they are a little bit behind baby boomers, but they're not far behind and they're very volatile. So given that the sovereignist response was weak, that we didn't do much uh, advertising uh, promotion of our option in the past decade, I think that part can move quite quickly if we decide that we need to have um, uh, a meeting with history um, through a, a third referendum. With regards to um, ethnic minorities, again, this multiculturalism slash woke mentality that is very strong in Canada is um, present in certain communities, but it really depends on the mother tongue or the common uh, language that is used by those communities. What we see is that the support for independence and for protection of the French language is by far more important in communities that use French on a daily basis than in communities that uh, are not using French and never really bothered to learn it, although they live uh, in, in Quebec. And, and so uh, that's why the, the strategy for the sovereignist movement is to make sure that people we welcome in Quebec have that uh, mastery, have that knowledge of the French language and have that love or relationship with that language, a form of identity towards that language. And, and that's a key battle right now, because we understand that when the Liberal Party of Quebec and the Liberal Party of Canada bring important numbers of people within Quebec and make sure that there is no requirement, because federal government has a chunk of the powers in immigration, when they make sure that these people actually don't know French, they're very aware that it's an automatic vote for them during the next elections. And it's a vote that will never go towards independence. Um, and it's been one of the demands of the uh, current uh, Quebec government, the Legault government. They asked for 
full powers on immigration. And of course, it was denied by Canada because they're very well, uh, very well aware of how strategic that is in the same way that they refused um, Quebec competency on federal um, enterprises for the application of uh, linguistic laws. They also denied Quebec on the demand that we have all powers on cultural uh, matters. So um, there's a lot of uh, strategic uh, battles going on right now. The CAC is a federalist government that claims that they can uh, come back with some important wins for Quebec within Canada. So far, it's been a disaster in the sense that every single important demand they have made to the Trudeau government was denied, very, very uh, straightforwardly denied. So that, that's where we come into play saying, well, there's just one solution then. We need to get out of there and have full powers on everything through our own country. Mm-hmm. I, I'd like to move on with you. Um, w- did you want to say something, Sergey? No, the, the only thing maybe for, for those that are not really familiar with Quebec is because you just mentioned a, an interesting thing about French not being used everywhere in communities. How is it for an outsider to understand, like, I've never been into Quebec. Are there places, cities, towns where French is not being used at all? It's just English. What kind of picture do uh, do people need to, to imagine with this? That's very interesting. So um, usually what we see is that uh, countries with a national language uh, usually have a language that will survive through times. Countries that have several languages uh, will often see the minority languages that is not the official language disappear over time. What we have in Canada is officially a doctrine of bilingualism. So when someone chooses to go to uh, Quebec, um, they are in the understanding that you can use either English or French. And that doctrine has been uh, applied to every single province in Canada with the impact that Of course, if you had to choose as a newcomer between the language of North America or the language of a very small minority, you will choose English. And it leads to the disappearance of the French language in every single province in Canada. So when someone comes to Montreal right now, the proportion of Montrealers who use English as a daily um, uh, language is uh, quite high and it's uh, on the on the rise. Uh, So we see a a quite steep decline of the French language within Montreal in the larger Montreal region because of an immigration that will transfer 45% of the time towards English as their daily language. And that's in the context where we have many uh, laws and many uh, programs in place to try to have incentives to uh, learn French. It would be something like 80% towards English if there was no laws. Um, and that's because uh, we don't have a country. If Quebec would be a country and everybody understands that, like in France or like in any other European or any country in the world, you come to Quebec and there's an official language, that language being French, the expectations would be very, very different. Right now, what you see uh, from uh, Quebecers that don't speak French is they they'll present the requirements to learn French as a form of discrimination. Because they'll say, I'm in Canada, and Canada is a bilingual country, so if I use English and you don't uh, collaborate with me in English only, I'm being discriminated, and that's probably because you are racist. 
and hence all these accusations towards Quebec of racism, xenophobia, intolerance. Whereas in reality, what it is, is that if you don't have laws and incentives to uphold your uh, common language that is French in an environment like, such as Canada, where really bilingualism, or more specifically, the use of English is very much encouraged, there's a, such a disproportion of uh, incentives and of uh, forces that, of course, in any other uh, provinces in Canada, it leads to the complete disappearance of uh, the French language, as it did in New Orleans in the United States, as it did in New England. Uh, we actually have the last New England French-speaking American within our party. Uh, so he's born French-speaking, I think it's in Massachusetts, uh, but he's the last Anglo-American, uh, Franco-American uh, that is uh, known. And so um, it's it's really a battle and a, a, a conversation about diversity. Canada talks about diversity all the time, but really all it does is uh, maybe an individual diversity, but a standardization of culture and language into one system. And, and what Quebec fights for is a form of diversity throughout the world, saying we are much better off as a planet to have several cultures be sustainable. And so it becomes interesting to visit. It becomes interesting to have several point of views instead of having one single point of view that is the Anglo-American uh, imperialistic cultural point of view, because it is a bit imperialistic the way uh, Netflix, YouTube, and um, large multinational companies in the cultural and linguistic sphere have so much influence on the rest of the world right now. It becomes a challenge for other nations to have their own cultural and uh, linguistic life. Mm -hmm. um, Mr. Clamodo, we're running a bit short on time. I'd like to move on with you with to the 2021 federal election. So for those who are not aware, there's the federal elections in Canada going on right now. And what we see is that uh, many uh, parties, so we, for example, the Conservative Party, the New Democratic Party, uh, express support for the extension of Bill 101, which uh, is the main French language line Quebec, to federal enterprises. Uh, some have uh, been in, in favor of granting Quebec more autonomy on immigration and cultural affairs. Do you think that Canada can fulfill Quebec's need without needing separation? It doesn't look like it. So as I said, uh, all the demands that are substantial that were raised in the past uh, years by the Legault government here in Quebec to Trudeau's government in Ottawa have been denied. Of course, uh, there's a few opposition parties that try to put in play one chunk um, that uh, might uh, give Legault's government the narrative that they are capable of making wins within Canada. But the truth is, as a whole, we will get bits and pieces. That is if the Liberals are not in power, which is likely once again. <laughs> and at the end of the day, no matter how what you have as a government in Ottawa, whether it's conservative or liberals, they will be pro-petroleum. They will not recognize the powers that we need to be sustainable and to look after our own financial and economic interests. And there might be a few bits and pieces that are given as a symbol, but overall, there's no sign of Canada being sensitive and interested in demands from Quebec. It's the exact opposite right now. We saw it in, in the most recent debate in English uh, during the federal election. The assumption in Canada is that Quebec is a tribe, 
that is has problem with racism and that has laws that are problematic and discriminatory. So the level of empathy and interest in Canada for Quebec affairs is at the lowest I've ever seen. So the odds that Quebec wins something um, are at their, at their lowest. Uh, there's no good faith. And the only solution in that context, as I said, is to leave Canada and get a bit uh, dignity, get a bit uh, respect by having our own country and putting forward our own laws that are different, that are more continental, uh, similar to what we see in the continental Europe. They're not very close to what the Anglo-American uh, way of thinking would put forward. But that's the diversity. And, and we cannot live forever in a country that despises us. <laughs> so no, we will not win. We will not win much, whether it's a conservative or a liberal government. And that's why people here vote Bloc Québécois. They know that Bloc Québécois will not govern and has very limited powers. But it's a defensive stance saying, well, it's the best we can do right now. The issue right now is, are we going to go defensive for the rest of our history? Or can we find a model that is more sustainable? And that's the big conversation right now in Quebec. Do we have that courage? Do we have that guts to put forward the only sustainable solution? Or are we limited to a defensive stance where basically we have no power, but once in a while we go with a few statements that make us proud or but are th that really have no impact on the political and financial um, power struggles? Mm-hmm. So our final questions, um, they require short responses, but we'd like to know if Quebec becomes independent, where could where should we expect it to stand on a number of uh, international issues? So, for example, where do you believe that Quebec will stand if it become if it became independent on the Israel-Palestine conflict? Well, uh, first thing, Parti Québécois has a lot of challenges to bring Quebecers together in a new project, a new society, a new country. So first thing that is important to say, we don't tend to have a, a very clear-cut position on every single topic in international relations, because what will happen then is you might have um, someone who's in favor of an independent Quebec, and then you take a stance on a very specific issue, and that person will say, well, I would have been in favor, but now that you've said that on that topic, I quit. So in general, we're very prudent because we know that the, our challenge is to gather people together. And so um, in a topic like the, this one, Israel and Palestine, uh, historically, Parti Québécois has been in favor of a two-state solution. Uh, we've had good, relationship, uh, good relations with uh, both uh, parties, but we don't tend to uh, put our energy on um, international um, topics like those, not because they're not important, but uh, because we are very well aware of our mission, that is to make sure that people agree on the essential, even though there are different point of views on uh, important topics, uh, such as international uh, relations between those two groups. Mm -hmm. uh, but one topic that will be increasingly important in the years to come is the Arctic resources race. Um, especially with Russia uh, claiming uh, oil um, in the north, in the Arctic. So I would like to know if Quebec were to become independent, will it claim any right to exploit resources in the Arctic's uh, natural spaces? Um, I think um, 
We have uh, several claims that are interesting in the event of um, when Quebec will become a country. Uh, our first uh, claim will be um, over Labrador. So there's a very controversial uh, judicial decision that gave for a piece of bread, uh, gave Labrador to Newfoundland. And then there's all those uh, international um, uh, relation topics in terms of what would be the maritime territory of Quebec. Now, as I said earlier, the important for us is to make sure that we have territorial integrity uh, and that we have a project that is as low risk as possible and as interesting from an economic, cultural and linguistic standpoint as possible. So we will not go forward with a very specific claim on that portion of the north of Quebec that might be disputed um, uh, with Russia, for instance. Of course, we will exercise sovereignty and there are rules about uh, the sovereignty you can exercise in the maritime uh, um, borders of, of, of your territory, of course, but that's not different uh, than any other country. It's, it's just pure international relations and legal issues surrounding um, lands or sea that is uh, that might be disputed. You'll have uh, things like flags that are put uh, by uh, Denmark, Russia, Canada. Those things are normal, and Quebec would be uh, in uh, in those normal dynamics, and would be at the United Nations. and And the identity of Quebec would be very friendly. Uh, the mentality of Quebec would not be very. Uh, the least we can say is that Quebec is not an imperialistic nation. <laughs> it doesn't have a history of being dominating. And uh, the mentality is very friendly. So I see more Quebec like Norway, Denmark, uh, smaller nations that played an important role in terms of promoting peace, promoting uh, protection of the, of the environment, promoting. I see more Quebec in that kind of role, given our size. But given our temper and our history as well, that is really more in the friendly and uh, dialogue mentality and very less in the uh, imperialistic uh, mode. Hmm. Well, thank you for your time, Mr. Clamondon. My pleasure. Sergey, did you want to add something? No, it was, uh, it was very informative. Indeed, thank you very much. We, uh, we enjoyed it. And... Uh, well, uh, I think most of our uh, listeners will uh, check check your party out and check out uh, what you stand for. And uh, yeah, well, the only thing we can say is good luck with your endeavors. Thank you. And it will be a pleasure uh, to talk about the uh, other topics uh, next time. À la prochaine. Thank you very much. Thank you. Well, Goodbye. <laughs>